I don't know what it felt or looked like from where you were this morning, but I personally, standing here, felt really moved by people stepping up to take responsibility. I don't know, did it feel like that for you this morning? It was a really moving experience to think people are still being called and still saying, yes, I'll do that. Have you thought about that? How can we do a bit more to support the mission, the worship and the ministry of Regent Hall? Personally, I've got to confess this morning that I'm a bit ambivalent. Let's say I, I won't say the word I don't like, because I kind of do like in some ways, so I'm a bit ambivalent about the word leader that's being promoted currently by the endless mass of leadership literature coming out of the business schools. Do you agree with me? Have you read any of it? I've read quite a few. I'm sure there's people in the congregation who've read far more of that, that literature than me in their study of leadership. And, but I, between us at home, we, we've read a few in our time. I think what, what makes me particularly sceptical is um, when someone, an author, will, will, will kind of take that stuff, that managerial type, businessy type leadership um, concept, and um, throw in Jesus and a few Christian terms, then call it Christian leadership. Um, it kind of sits uneasily with me a little bit. See, I think it's too easy to do that. And when institutions flounder, we think, we think that better business-type leaders will put us right. And we therefore think that when the church is declining, we, we must rush to leadership training programs and the how-to books. Now, I'm not saying those books are wrong. They contain wealth of good things in them. But the truth is there is a tension between the business-driven approach to leadership and the biblical model of leadership that Christ offers us, offers us. And there is a tension because any form of leadership driven by ambition or abused by careerists sits uneasily with Christian faith. Because the idea of Jesus as CEO is abominable. It's just plain wrong. Yet neither can we throw out the idea of leadership in the church. Because the Bible speaks of the need for leaders quite plainly. And it tells stories about those called to it. The big one being our reluctant Moses so reticent to take the burden on his shoulders, so anxious, so unconfident, and yet summoned to it. I think that's the key to great leadership in the church, actually, that the greatest leaders never hanker for it. If you do, you're not suitable. And the New Testament follows through on this, that leadership is important. Hebrews 13, verse 7. Remember your leaders, Richard shared this this morning, who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good 
that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. And we could imagine those leaders, those good leaders at Regent Hall in the past, who imperfect as they were, a mixed bag as they probably were, and we've heard some of the stories of your past leaders, still think about the good that has come from their lives and follow their good example of faith. Our friend Stanley Howass, who we often stand up here and quote, who's a really wise voice on Christian leadership, says that ultimately, despite the great stuff you can read about leadership, Christian leadership comes by apprenticeship, by doing it, by following the Master Jesus, and by getting embedded in Christian leadership through following the great example of wise craftspeople in leadership already in the church, doing it on the job. His own personal story was that he was raised by a father and a grandfather who were master craftsmen in bricklaying. And as a child, he learned the tools of the trade. Now, I find this quite amazing because he's a theologian with a big brain and he talks about social ethics, but he can bricklay. And he speaks about this craft not by learning it from books, but by watching his father and being trained by his grandfather. And that's the model he uses for discipleship in the church, but also for Christian leadership. He says, we learn it on the job. And in the same way, Christian leadership eventually, ultimately comes by learning practical wisdom to be able to make judgments on behalf of a whole community in real time, not in endless theories. And that is why I'm so pleased to see some young leaders here standing alongside those with wisdom this morning. Because you need Regent Hall to be raising up the next generation of assistant leaders, in a sense, alongside the mature spiritual leaders we already have in place, or else you're going to get a big gap. It's going to be too wide to bridge it. The army was also, in its history, so good at raising up young leaders. That was our heritage. We need to be doing it. We need to be watching out. Hence the proverbial Nicks alongside the proverbial Jonathans, alongside the proverbial Richards, and more of that to come. So this morning, I want to speak directly to you leaders, those with responsibilities big or small, formal or informal, and I want to speak to any of you considering stepping up to leadership, and I want to speak to those who lead me, and I want to speak to myself, imagining what I, as one led, might want to say to the me who shares the privilege and burden of leadership here at Regent Hall. Does that make sense? So here we go. Leaders, you need to earn the right to lead. There's been too much abuse of power. We are tired of it in politics, in business, in celebrity culture, and sometimes in the church itself. We are repulsed these days by leadership that is in any way unreflective, manipulative, or bullish. And the only response to that is for you 
to live gently, truthfully, and with integrity, even when the truth isn't going to go down easily with us. And if we disagree, as we sometimes will, you must be able to make yourself accountable and at least give us a rationale or explain those judgments you've made to us. You see, the church must be a community that, that expects those who would lead us to tell the truth. Even if the truth is tough to hear, or the truth is that you aren't quite yet sure what that truth is, we would rather your honesty, comforted that you're at least struggling to search for it. And you need to help us become the kind of people who can listen to the truth properly. Because scripture says it's the truth that's going to set us free. You must help us be truthful so that we can all safely abide in Christ and together one with another. Building capacity to speak and hear the truth in love in this place. And if you're going to be able to do that, leaders, then before you speak a word or take an act, you're going to have to be attentive hearers to the voice of the Good Shepherd Jesus, who cares and tends for his flock. Don't be fooled by that word shepherd. It is indeed a gentle and beautiful and pastoral term. Look at that picture. It says it all. But it's not by chance that Jesus calls himself the Good Shepherd in John 10. You see, his first audience would have known exactly what he was talking about. They would have known that the word shepherd was the commonly used word in the Old Testament for leader. And the Old Testament has a lot to say about the shepherds of Israel, sometimes saying how great they were, sometimes in the Old Testament, huge, harsh judgments against the shepherds of Israel. So Ezekiel 34, we hear a real word of condemnation against the shepherds of Israel, it calls them, the rulers of the nation who were corrupt and who were abusing their power and taking all their wealth. The Lord will be your shepherd, says Ezekiel 34. He will be your leader. So it is a pastoral term, and yet shepherd is a leadership term. And the image of Christ as the good shepherd is so powerful because it entails this wonderful image of servanthood. And that confounds all lesser images of leadership. For as Christ's lead leadership is laid down for the sheep, so your leadership leaders must lay itself down. And in laying down your leadership like Christ, you'll help dismantle fear and you'll help dismantle mistrust so that we may live safely with one another in Christ. Jesus explains... The one who enters the gate is the shepherd of the sheep, the leader. 
The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the shepherd sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he's brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. And here is the key distinction for us this morning. Leaders in the church must hear the good shepherd's voice. Leaders, you need to be able to recognize that voice above all the other voices. You need to, or else I'm out of here. And then you must help us tune our ears to the good shepherd's voice. You need to help us hear this shepherd's voice through our prayers, through our art forms, through our praises, through our laments that we've spoken about. And yes, you need to help us to hear the Good Shepherd's voice even amidst healthy arguments. You must do this for the sake of the gospel. That was a perfect song from the songsters this morning. Thank you, Mark. I heard the voice of Jesus say, Come, unto me and rest. So let the good shepherd's voice leaders replenish your soul. Henry Nguyen was a highly respected Catholic priest and Christian leader, internationally renowned for his writings and teachings and on Christian leadership. And this is his personal testimony. After 25 years of priesthood, I found myself praying poorly, living somewhat isolated from other people, and very much preoccupied with burning issues. Everyone was saying I was doing really well as a leader, but something inside me was telling me my success was putting my soul in danger. Let that voice replenish you. Being deeply attuned to the voice of the Good Shepherd really, really matters. And it probably matters more than anything else in your leadership. So you need to dig deep to hear Jesus in and beyond other voices. My dear mum had a lovely speaking voice. I think I've been thinking about her a lot recently because she came up in the role of honour at Officers' Councils this last week and... Um, I've been thinking a lot about her, and, and I remembered that she had, the mo she had a lovely speaking voice. I must say it was a bit of an affected one, so she had one voice when she was talking to us and one on the platform, but hey, it was a beautiful speaking voice. Um, and in particular, she had a, this quite unusual quality to her, her S sound when she spoke. She said her S is normally, but they had a little overtone, a high frequency. As a speech and language therapist, which is my background, I can explain that scientifically now. But as a child, it was very distinctive, and um, it, it, you kind of just knew it. And there was one time, as a child, that I lost my mum, and it was in John Lewis over um, in Oxford Street in the January sale. So I would have been so high. It was crowded. You know, I could only ever see up to people's waists. I couldn't get through the crowd. I lost her. I wanted to panic. And I stood still 
as I was about to freeze. I had no idea what was mortifying that I later found out she hadn't realised I'd gone missing, but never mind. But as I stopped still, I heard that S sound. I couldn't see her, but I could hear her. And she was talking to some sales assistant quite a way off in that department. And as a child, I could hear that unique S sound coming over the top of the other voices. And I was able to make budge my way through the crowd to find her and tell her that she hadn't noticed that I had gone missing. I could recognize that voice a mile away. Leaders, it takes that kind of listening. We're honestly, at the end of the day, not really interested in just your personal opinion or your expert knowledge, great that that might be. Show us that the voice of the Good Shepherd Jesus is the source of your choices on our behalf. And that is going to take every ounce of your skill, wisdom and discernment. Most of all, we want to know that you just love listening to the Good Shepherd's voice, that you love it. Henry Nguyen says to would-be Christian leaders, this is what he says, you need an ardent desire to dwell in God's presence, to listen to God's voice, to look at God's beauty, to touch God's incarnate word, and to taste God's infinite goodness. He uses all the senses there, doesn't he? But it's about that ardent desire. There should be nothing more you love to do than to listen out for the good shepherd Jesus in your leadership. And when you fail, when you fail to hear that voice, as sometimes you're going to do because that's life and we all do it, you're going to have to confess. You're going to have to come clean with us. Because as a leader, you see, you cannot split off your own private world and say to us, it has nothing to do with you. You can't say that to us. You see, in the church, none of us are islands. You are called to live out the good news here in community. Yes, in your own body, but yes, in this mysterious body we call church. So don't be private, don't be secret. For here, if you listen carefully, you will also discover the power and presence of Jesus in this community who makes his voice heard among us. Finally, leaders, leadership has many faces. So when you're looking for more leaders in the future, don't look for the obvious. And I think we acknowledge that in our public recognition this morning. It's not all about the obvious. For some of us, leadership is quiet, leading people to the cross in prayer. For some of us, it's loud body leadership, dancing through the aisles, metaphorically or literally, if you like, to lead us in worship. 
For some of us, it's preaching with clarity and conviction. For some of us, it's leading in our thinking and in our culture making. For some of us, it's enabling others to lead. Yet by our courage to live out these gifts and graces, others will see the spirit of Jesus at work in us. And that will be the measure. So let leaders here at Regent Hall be known by being deeply in love with Jesus. Let leaders be recognized as attentive listeners to the voice of the Good Shepherd. And let our leaders be marked by God's humble power, a real alternative to the politics of human power, winning through in being able to say in their words and their living, as Paul could, follow my example, but only as I follow Christ. Amen. Amen. And through my words this morning, may you only and utterly hear the words of Jesus.